0: the biggest barrier to a trip across the border. That
1: cost of the PCR test is really pretty prohibitive for just an average shopping same day travel trip.
0: The PCR test requirements and how Washington state might help cover the cost to welcome visitors.
2: Mix and match vaccines
1: about to get the green light. We're already getting phone calls even though it's just preliminary.
2: Growing evidence the US can't ignore.
0: the dozy driver.
2: From what I saw, they were out like a light.
0: Police investigate a woman seemingly asleep at the wheel.
3: You're watching Global BC. This
2: is Global News Hour at six. Good evening, and thanks for joining us. Well, you can mark it on your calendar. The U.S. announcing land crossings will reopen on November 8th to fully vaccinated visitors.
0: But that doesn't mean the days of a quick shopping trip across the border are returning. As Amadagahi reports, there's still one expensive obstacle that might hold many Canadians back.
4: Whether it's a drive south of the line for gas, groceries, or grub, crossing into the United States come November 8th will technically be easier than it has in a long time, just not completely hassle-free. That's not opening up quite as much as we would have hoped. Uh, uh, people do want to come back down here and, and not just to get uh, you know, gas and cheese. Driving south at the border will be simpler. U.S. border guards will need to hear you say you are fully vaccinated, while some may be randomly screened for proof. But when coming back to Canada, travelers, no matter how long they've stayed, will need to show a COVID-19 test with a negative result Within the past 72 hours of crossing,
1: that cost of the PCR test is really pretty prohibitive for just an average shopping same day travel trip. I
5: think that the U.S. decision to allow Canadians coming into the United States without a test again underscores the potency of the vaccine. I would like to see that reciprocated by our Canadian neighbors.
4: In Canada, a travel PCR test is close to $200. A rapid antigen test is usually $50 cheaper. Those tests are taken in Canada, but with the added price and the clock ticking on how long they're accepted, any saving on shopping trips across the border may be cancelled out.
0: We hope that people
1: won't just come down for the day. We hope they'll come and spend several days with us.
4: Until Canada removes its negative test requirement for land travel, it may be up to American border communities relying on Canadian business to make it worth their while. We've had
1: in the past down here, we've had our, our um, mall do at par day where we sort of put the Canadian dollar at par with the U.S. dollar. And I think our businesses are, are pretty creative and innovative in how they can attract Canadians.
4: According to the Washington State Department of Health, some COVID-19 travel tests are covered on that side of the border. Even for those people who are not insured, it's just not clear if Canadians will qualify. Amad Global News.
2: A huge relief tonight for many British Columbians who received mix-and-match vaccines. The U.S. will finally approve any combination of approved shots for Canadians to travel once the border reopens. Richard Zussman has more, including how this will affect the province's third-dose booster program.
6: From closed to open. The CDC confirming Friday that those traveling into the United States at a land border will be eligible if they received mixed and matched vaccines. That starts November 8th, including one AstraZeneca and one mRNA or one Pfizer and one Moderna dose.
1: I was really disappointed when
7: I was finding places that I couldn't travel because of the mixed dose. So now we know that the U.S. is accepting it.
6: The relief for travelers coming in large part due to this data. BC health officials most recently showing 93% of people receiving one AstraZeneca dose and one mRNA avoided getting the Delta variant and 94% avoided the hospital. The data also showing those mix and matching mRNA, meaning one Pfizer and one Moderna, have a 93 to 95% chance of avoiding getting COVID.
8: It's important for us globally to be able to mix and match vaccines and know that they work because of the way the the vaccine supply has been um, sometimes interrupted.
6: The news from south of the border will provide B.C. greater flexibility for boosters here. There was a push to allow mix-and-matchers to get a third dose for travel. Those challenges now gone. Instead, the province will continue to focus on booster doses for hundreds of thousands of clinically vulnerable British Columbians.
8: Booster doses will be with the mRNA vaccines. Uh, Right now, they're an off-label use. They're uh, They're not approved by Health Canada for use as a booster dose. Um, However, we do uh, use a number of things off-label. But one
6: mRNA is standing out over the other. Moderna being proved so far is more effective, especially for booster shots. So if you've received AstraZeneca or Pfizer as part of your first two doses, expect to be offered Moderna as your third dose.
8: Moderna is preferred, and that's for people who have solid organ transplants, some people who are severely immune compromised. And the studies that were done with a third dose using Moderna gave a higher proportion of people who developed a a stronger immune response. The province also
6: noting it will not be changing the definition of what fully vaccinated is, meaning two doses is still fully vaxxed. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
0: Well, the reopening of the U.S. land crossings to fully vaccinated Canadians is what border communities have long been waiting for. As Paul Johnson reports, the shutdown has not only had a detrimental financial impact, but an emotional one, too, for friends and family separated by that extended closure.
9: Expanding the oyster bar at the Drayton Harbor Oyster Company. Pre-pandemic, they'd been on a roll with their locally grown oysters. Co-owner Mark Seymour remembers quite well that day when the gates slammed shut for his Canadian clients. When
10: that hit, a lot of us got depressed that week, right?
9: And who wouldn't? Blaine is among that handful of U.S. border towns that are big enough to be a draw for Canadians, but still small enough that the border closure slammed many of their businesses and blew a hole in the city's revenues.
11: We all expected a ghost town.
9: Blaine City manager Michael Jones says they had to slash the budget by 10%, furlough some employees, and watch as the mailbox stores here lost pretty much all of their customers.
11: That business basically disappeared.
9: There was the financial toll, but there was an emotional toll as well. So one aspect of this that is not captured in any official statistic is the human dimension in a border town like Blaine. The countless families, relationships, faith groups that have been separated for many months now.
8: This separation has been long. It's been too long. And this is really hard on, on families and couples and folks who have had relationships for a long time without ever having to think about whether or not we'd be able to cross that border.
9: So, as the border is poised to start reopening, the story in Blaine is actually better than you might have expected. Some new businesses actually opened here during the pandemic, and the oyster company didn't just survive. found a way to thrive well it's been tough here they've pulled together and pulled through
11: i think BCers miss us we miss them the city is in great shape and ready to welcome canadians and visitors from all over the u.s and the world
9: in blaine paul johnson global news
2: and here's a look at today's covid numbers we have 667 new cases and 5,128 active cases. 367 people are in hospital, 152 of those patients are in the ICU. We've got 13 more deaths due to complications of the virus, and 83% of eligible British Columbians are now fully vaccinated. We'll bring in Keith Baldry now. For more on the Delta variant, Keith, we've heard how infectious this one is, and you've got the data that shows just because you may be younger, It doesn't mean you're not going to get hit hard, especially if you're unvaccinated.
12: Yeah. So if you recall yesterday, Dr. Bonnie Henry talked about a 20 year old person or a person in their 20s who died in in northern health of COVID-19 and says now the Delta variant is showing evidence of really posing a real threat to younger people who aren't vaccinated. So I went back. Check out the data in September, from September 4th to October 2nd, and you'll see what she's talking about. So uh, based on those ages of people under the age of 40, look at that, 272 hospitalizations in one month. That's a 43% increase, folks, from August. 42 ICU cases, that's an increase of almost 8%. The deaths there is even worse than what you see there. Eight deaths, six deaths in their 30s, two in their 20s. But this is as of October 1st. In the last few days alone, three more people in their 30s have passed away from COVID-19. And one more person that Dr. Henry referenced yesterday in their 20s. That means uh, more than uh, uh, 12 people now in their 30s and 20s have passed away from COVID-19 in the space of just a matter of weeks. And this shows again how infectious and dangerous the Delta variant is to younger people who aren't vaccinated. If you're watching this right now and you're in your 20s and 30s, indeed if you're in your 40s, I haven't got the 40s on there, I didn't have enough room, but five people in their 40s died in that time frame. You're literally playing Russian roulette with your life if you're not getting vaccinated because right now hospitalizations, ICUs and deaths are rising significantly in younger people.
2: And a lot of people transferred out of their home region too, which we're hearing more and more about too, which is sad. Three,
12: well. One more thing, Chris, three more people in Northern Health had to be airlifted yesterday uh, because of space uh, issues and resource issues in Northern Health. They've been flown down to Victoria and Metro Vancouver. That's 61 people now uh, have transferred out of Northern Health because of the surge in COVID-19 up there
0: heartbreaking
2: all right thanks very much keith
0: the bc government is being criticized for the pace of the booster shot program at long-term care homes in the wake of a deadly outbreak at a burnaby facility as aaron MacArthur reports advocates say the tragedy at Willingdon care center could have been prevented
10: while ambulances were taking residents to the hospital thursday Fraser Health staff were inside Willingdon Care Centre, vaccinating some a third time against COVID-19. It's been two weeks since an outbreak was declared at the Burnaby facility, where dozens of staff and nearly three-quarters of residents have tested positive. Long-term care operators are frustrated at the slow pace booster shots are being delivered.
11: We're caught flat-footed, and the tragedy of of, uh, Willingdon Care Home, where 12 people have died, Uh, that likely could have been protected. It's just heartbreaking.
10: Seniors living in care were among the first in BC to be vaccinated, often with Pfizer and their first and second doses coming about a month apart. Canadian health officials finally recommended a third dose for this group on September 28th, And yet, out of the more than 42,000 third doses given in B.C., only a fraction have gone to seniors in a handful of facilities across Metro Vancouver.
1: Well, I think the concern that we're hearing is the fact that other jurisdictions in the country moved ahead much more quickly than we did in B.C.
10: The outbreak at Willingdon Centre shows just how vulnerable long-term care residents remain during this fourth wave. 30% of all cases in B.C. right now are in people considered, fully vaccinated. And while no one wants to see seniors in care isolated as they were during the second wave, something needs to be done.
1: Well, we've been calling for the use of rapid testing, for example, and expanded testing options from the beginning of the pandemic. We know that long-term care uh, uh, certainly is one of the places where that could be utilized more broadly. In a
11: fully vaccinated environment, we can allow people to have more freedom. But fully vaccinated for this population means three doses. What? Hundreds
10: of thousands of seniors across BC living in the community could also be at risk due to waning immunity. An announcement is expected on booster shots for seniors as a whole next week. Aaron
2: MacArthur, Global News. Asleep at the wheel, Startling video of a dozy driver crossing the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. What police say about it next on the news hour.
0: A heads up rescue to save a stranded hiker on the north shore. How they did it coming up on the news hour.
2: And Coldplay lives up to at least part of its promise for carbon neutral concerts, how it's getting its fans to power the show later
0: but first more questions tonight about the safety of self-driving cars or more specifically some of the people behind the wheel that's after some troubling video shot in metro vancouver and posted online
2: jordan armstrong shows us the tesla driver who appears to be asleep at the wheel
3: on one of the busiest bridges on the lower mainland narrow lanes heavy traffic Most would agree a trip across the Iron Worker's Memorial Bridge requires a certain level of attentiveness. So Luke, who's asked we not use his last name, says he was surprised to see this in the lane beside him during rush hour Thursday afternoon. Looked out
2: the passenger window and noticed what looked like somebody just completely asleep behind the wheel of their Tesla.
3: We've blurred the driver's face until more information is known. When the video starts, her eyes are closed, her seat slightly reclined, as her Tesla motors north towards the North Shore. From what I saw,
2: they were out like a light, but then there was a couple of moments where they kind of looked like they almost woke up and then went right back to sleep.
3: Teslas have an autopilot feature meant to assist alert drivers, not take over for them. But lately, the technology has been abused. Uh And the driver sleeping. In the States, shock drivers have taken video of several people seemingly asleep at the wheel on busy interstates. And in Alberta last year, a 20 year old man from British Columbia was caught napping in the driver's seat while his Tesla blasted along at more than 140 kilometers an hour.
2: The car
5: is checking on you.
3: Chris Fulgham is a Tesla driver. He also owns a transportation safety company. He says autopilot requires drivers to keep their hands on the wheel, but some are finding ways to cheat the system.
4: They will do things like duct tape a water bottle to the steering wheel to always give that feedback to the car.
3: Back in North Vancouver, RCMP are investigating.
1: Regardless of what vehicle you have, regardless of what features it may have, you are still required by law to be paying attention.
3: The apparent drowsy driver now ticketed $368 and six points on her license, which carries an additional ICBC penalty of $432. No word yet what her explanation was or if she plans to challenge the ticket. Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
2: The heavy rainfall expected to continue over the next few days is prompting a safety warning for hikers and dog walkers.
0: All that rain, swelling creeks and rivers in areas like the North Shore Mountains. The stream flow is extreme. People who do brave the rain and head outside are being reminded to keep themselves, their kids and their pets well away from the banks of those fast-flowing streams.
4: The water levels can change
2: quite drastically so when you go out at a certain time of day and you think it's safe and it's okay um, it can change while you're there obviously as the, the pressure and the temperature changes. So our advice is to actually just stay away from River's Edge or the river entirely.
0: Crews are also reminding people to keep an eye on storm drains and keep them clear of leaves and debris. Well, today's commute is also more challenging thanks to the arrival of that atmospheric river. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us for a look at what we've seen so far and what's ahead for us. Christy?
7: Thanks. So we all know it's been a bit relentless today. We've seen 30 to 60 millimeters of rain across the Metro Vancouver region. But one area, Port Mellon, got hammered today with 120 millimeters of rain. So quite a discrepancy. Now, when we look at the South Coast region as well, Uh, you can see that there's really a very funnel or a band of regions that uh, got the majority of it from Tofino up towards Whistler, whereas northwest of that and then southeast of that, very little. And the reason for it was that thin atmospheric river. Uh, It is bringing a significant amount of moisture, but to a very small region, and it is going to be relentless. So tomorrow, very heavy rain expected. I'll show you which areas I expect it to be heaviest when I come back. All right. Thanks, Christy.
2: Up next, scammers steal a B.C. woman's life savings.
7: Some people treat people worse
2: than animals. How her family discovered the fraud and why it's a warning to all of us.
0: But first, closing arguments in the Cullen Commission into money laundering and why those responsible might never face justice. Highway 1 is still very slow, especially here at the Kensington on-ramp, but it's slow in pockets from the north end of the Cassier Tunnel all the way through to Ghilardi. Also, watch out for the demonstration in Vancouver. Hastings and Clark intersection is
8: closed all four directions. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares
0: for Kids. In the Global Traffic Centre, I'm Amber Belzer. After testimony from some 200 witnesses concluded last month, closing submissions are now underway at the inquiry into money laundering in B.C. casinos.
2: John Waugh has more on what this stage involves and why the parties are asking the Cullen Commission to focus not so much on what caused it,
5: but what's happened since. The people of British Columbia put their money on a public inquiry. In order to hold someone accountable for the mistakes of the past, who should be held responsible for allowing BC casinos to be turned into a rinse cycle for dirty money.
0: While the commission's mandate does include the potential to make findings of misconduct, the province submits that that should not be the
8: principal focus of the inquiry.
5: Lawyers for the province using closing submissions to boldly ask the Cullen Commission to focus on the future with so many differing perspectives of what got us to this point.
0: The issue here is looking at what reasonably uh, these actors understood and
5: believed at the time. The government of Canada upping the ante, telling Commissioner Austin Cullen he has no authority to rule misconduct in decisions made by the federal RCMP.
7: The commissioner may not pass judgment on the internal prioritization of investigations or the commitment of resources.
5: That didn't stop its council from taking shots at lower forms of government.
8: Some of these decisions may be outside of the control of the federal RCMP, such as the province's disbandment of IGET, or the decision by the city of Richmond in 2006 not to fund additional officers to address casino-based crimes.
5: And other participants responding in kind.
3: Virtually a complete absence of law enforcement gaming in British Columbia.
5: The BC Lottery Corporation doubling down on its reasons for not stopping the cash from coming through the door. The
6: cash may have been suspicious, but the patrons and their wealth generally was not.
5: Figuring out where the shady money came from, let the game of finger pointing continue. You'll see
13: no recommendation to BCLC that it refuse suspicious cash or did it conduct source of funds inquiries.
1: Nonetheless, by mid 2015, Patrons were being placed on source cash conditions.
5: Expecting participants to pass off responsibility was a pretty safe bet. After all, many have argued that created the gap in the gaming regulatory framework. Organized crime was allowed to exploit. Now it's up to the Cullen Commission to not lose sight of the high stakes of public confidence. John Hua, Global News.
2: We have a warning tonight about an elaborate investment scam that duped a Kelowna couple out of everything they had.
0: Global's Jules Knox has more from the Brave family sharing their loss, including what made those fraudsters so convincing.
1: Something like 3000 3000 After seeing an ad for Bitcoin and pondering it, 77-year-old Linda Kraza decided she wanted to get into the cryptocurrency market. Her husband has been in and out of Kelowna's hospital, and she could use the money.
0: My kids have helped me tremendously, and I just wanted to be able to pay them back.
1: It all started in June, with Kraza punching her email and phone number into a website.
0: Then I got calls from different people, so I invested 250 U.S.
1: And it snowballed from there. Soon, Kraza was e-transferring $3,000 lump sums from her bank to a supposed Bitcoin account. These people walked her through every step and gave her ideas to do things and go to the bank and get an increase on this. And they got into her iPad, they, with any desk, and then they, she, they could see everything, so they knew exactly how much money she had. Her daughter became suspicious after she noticed Kraza was receiving two dozen calls a day. And so we started writing down the numbers of who's calling, and then she had a name for every one of those people that called her. The scam is elaborate. There's even a supposed banking portal with two-factor authentication showing a fake balance, Kraza says. And it does look real when you look at the, the website. When she realized something was going on, Greer answered her mom's phone last week and demanded a withdrawal during what would be the fraudster's final phone call to Kraza.
4: The main question is... Do you
1: send money somewhere? Kraza says she tracked the phone numbers and emails of those she was speaking with, but they've now all been blocked. She estimates she's out $34,000.
0: It's all I had. I mean, they even took my my pigeon check. Some people treat people worse than animals.
1: Kraza says her bank's fraud department is looking into the matter. She also reported the scam to police, who confirmed they are investigating, but say that unfortunately, this type of fraud is very common across Canada. The family is now sharing their story in the hopes it will help stop others from falling victim. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Still ahead,
0: an emergency call stuck on hold. It was just a pre-recorded, you've reached BC Ambulance. What happened when a Vancouver Island woman desperately needed help that never came?
2: And a personal example of truth and reconciliation. The Prime Minister's plan to meet up with the Kamloops First Nation he snubbed on Canada's special day.
0: Still a busy commute across the Patello Bridge here, but the busiest route right at the moment is northbound at Massey Tunnel with delays from the Delta Works Yard. Need winter tires? No time for appointments? Drop by Mr. Lube and enjoy stay in your car tire service on your schedule. No appointment needed. Mr. Lube,
7: ready when you are. In the Global Traffic Center, I'm Amber Belzer.
11: The
2: mayor of Lytton is questioning the thoroughness of the Transportation Safety Board's report into the fire that destroyed the village this past summer. The TSB report found no link between rail activity and the Lytton wildfire back on June 30th. Mayor Jan Polderman says he and the people of Lytton feel pushed aside because the TSB didn't actually speak to any Lytton residents and didn't enter the devastated community until about nine days after the fire, leaving the site unsecured.
4: A lot of unanswered questions um, as to why locals were not uh, given um, a chance to put in their knowledge on the situation. There's a lot of local people feel that the trains are responsible. That being said, you know, there has to be clear evidence, you know, one way or the other. And, you know, I'm waiting for that evidence to be brought forward.
2: The TSB says it didn't get a call from the RCMP or BC Wildfire Service until July 4th, and it didn't go in to investigate until the 9th. It also says it made sense to observe witness statements that had already been made to the RCMP, Mayor Polderman says he's concerned the TSB investigators didn't have knowledge or experience with wildfires. He adds he's now looking forward to the findings of the BC Wildfire Service and RCMP investigations.
0: Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will be visiting the Tecumloops Tishwetmuk First Nation on Monday. Trudeau faced strong backlash for choosing to vacation in Tofino on the first-ever National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. The Kamloops Tishwetma Chief Roseanne Casimir says she reached out to the Prime Minister, inviting him to spend that day with survivors, but she got no response. Trudeau later apologized for his actions. His itinerary says Trudeau will meet with Chief Casimir, as well as members of the community, including residential school survivors. The discovery of 215 bodies at the former Kamloops residential school back in May led to an outpouring of grief and calls for reconciliation.
2: A Vancouver Island woman is speaking out over what she says was a frustrating and dangerous wait on hold for 911. As Kylie Stanton reports, by the time someone finally answered the woman's call for help, she'd already checked herself into hospital.
8: October 10th at 7.01 p.m. It's the call no one ever wants to have to make. But last Sunday, Erin Booth... Believed she had very little choice. I was shopping at Savon in Sydney and immediately had this intense pressure in my head and knew that I should call for an ambulance. The 38-year-old dialed 911 and was quickly connected to a dispatcher. She requested an ambulance only to be told there would be quite a wait and was asked if she could be patient. You know, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, okay, I need to get to the hospital, uh, so I said yes. Five minutes passed, and nothing. It was just a pre-recorded, you've reached BC Ambulance, please don't hang up. So Booth decided to take matters into her own hands, calling a taxi to take her from the grocery store to Saanich Peninsula Hospital. It was only when she arrived she decided to hang up on the still unanswered call after 28 minutes on hold. Booth finally got a call back asking if she still required the service one hour and 45 minutes after dialing 911. I was in the middle of having an IV placed uh, for the CT and yeah, so didn't didn't need it at that point. Heading into the long weekend, Ecom tweeted, We're seeing consistent delays on 911 this AM as our call takers are tied up transferring calls to ambulance. The
1: impact to public safety with these delays is not lost on us at all.
8: According to BC Emergency Health Services, while it took actions to mitigate the situation, BC EHS dispatchers and call takers have challenging, high pressure jobs. And this past week was a particularly difficult one for our call centres. Get it! But Booth knows her experience was not a one-off. This has been going on for months now, but you know, at this point in time, I think it's also important to you know, have a backup plan. Everything worked out in her case, but others, where time is of the essence, may not be as fortunate. And she says it's simply not acceptable. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Up
0: next, rescuers really using their heads. What they used to pull a man to safety when they were up a creek without a rope. And coming up in sports, the homecoming for soccer star
2: Alfonso Davies and what it's going to be like playing outdoors in Edmonton in November. Search and rescue volunteers arrived at Golden Ears Provincial Park on Thanksgiving to find a group of hikers had stepped in with an innovative save.
0: Ridge Meadow Search and Rescue says five men removed their turbans to rescue a man from the waters above the Lower Falls late Monday. The team received a call about two hikers in trouble. One of them had slipped and landed in the pool above the falls. The other hikers tied their turbans together to make one long rope, which the man was able to grab and hold onto as he made his way up the slippery rocks to safety.
12: Never heard of anything like this before and uh, it was uh, it was quite impressive. You know, at the very least you're gonna come through with some bumps and bruises, if not some broken limbs, but uh, we generally, or we regularly pull um, uh, people out of there that uh, have gone over and, and died.
0: Crews say it was fortunate the hikers were able to come to the man's aid with that turbine power. The hikers who ran into trouble told volunteers they did not see the hazard signs warning of the dangers of climbing too close to the falls
2: they also did not see Christy Gordon warning of it warning of it yesterday obviously and for good reason i mean you see how fast some of those creeks and rivers are running now
7: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, there's an organization south of the border that is uh, starting to classify these atmospheric rivers in order to give people a perspective of the impact. Here's a look at the forecast uh, classification for this atmospheric river for our region on the west coast of Vancouver Island, in particular an AR or atmospheric river at a level three. So that's moderate. That means that the benefits of the moisture sort of are balanced with the hazards of the moisture. Uh, When we get up to the level four and level five, that means means that the hazards become much more uh, severe and, of course, outweigh the ba- the um, the benefits of having that moisture. Uh, tomorrow, you can expect the rainfall to be very heavy across the South Coast. I expect soccer games to be impacted. We're going to see windy conditions as well. Uh, the newest computer models are showing not as much moisture as initially anticipated, so we are talking about 150. Now, storm totals will be in that 120 to 130 range, and that's the case right across the South Coast. Again, the western slopes of the mountains getting the majority of it so that's west coast of vancouver island sunshine coast how sound and the north shore mountains so tomorrow very wet slow down on the roads turn your lights on and give yourself extra time late sundays when we'll finally see it ease off but keep in mind even when the rain ends the rivers and streams continue to be quite swollen monday and tuesday is what we'll look forward to with that sunshine tonight central windows weather window coming out of the powell river area beautiful shot with the um fog in the mix there as well thank you to Carl Anderson for that one lovely fall colors out there all right thanks Christy
0: beautiful British
7: rock band Coldplay has said
0: they wouldn't tour again until they could power their gigs with renewable energy and they have just announced dates for a world tour next year
2: The band has come up with a 12 point plan to cut their carbon footprint by integrating a range of sustainable features into its concerts. The goal is to cut consumption and lower CO2 emissions by 50% compared to its previous tour. And one of the big ways they're going to do this is by harnessing the power of their fans, installing a kinetic floor so so that the fans will effectively power the concert. They'll also have bikes that will do the same thing. Coldplay will also plant a tree for every ticket sold. One significant challenge that remains is them flying around. The band acknowledges they'll still receive backlash on that point, and that's fair. They're working on it.
0: Mm-hmm. But that 12-point plan is pretty comprehensive.
2: sure is. Mm-hmm. Imagine a bouncing floor like that. that And creates if, you electricity. Need,
13: if you need the fans bouncing, to power your concert you best stay away from ballads <laughs> Low ballads our, aren't going to work
0: our producer wants us to bounce into
13: sports we will do that then uh, Canada's men's soccer their next two games qualifying games for the World Cup will be in Edmonton in November
14: this isn't British cold it's not Spanish or Italian cold this is Edmonton cold
13: Yes, Edmonton cold. And the two teams are going to play. Costa Rica and Mexico probably won't like it very much.
14: Might
2: have an advantage there. Also coming up, satellite
13: debris.
2: (laughs) All right. uh, Lots of action in the Canucks game.
13: Yes. Just in the last little while, too. Yes, yes. That's very true. In fact... The Canucks uh, felt very good about themselves after that game in Edmonton because they came back in the third period to at least get a point tonight. They are in Philadelphia. Let's see how it's been going for the Canucks in this one at the The Wells Fargo Center.
3: Center
13: The City city of Brotherly Love. Okay. First period and Joel Farabee scores a bit of a weird one. It actually bounces in off Tucker Pullman. Demko... Pullman, and then in the net. But there have been a lot of strange goals in this game. But not this one. This is a nice goal and it's always nice when your first goal is memorable like this. It's not a fluky goal. It's Vasily Podkolzin ripping the wrister and the Russian rookie has his first. So it's 1-1. Now things get bizarre. Elias Petterson is so good he can score when he doesn't even hit the net. Hits the backboards and then goes in off Carter Hart. In fact, it goes in off both of Hart's skates. And it's 2 1. And they smack uh, Pedersen in the face for some reason. Then Nate Thompson? I don't think so. Stopped by Thatcher Demko. Now, another weird goal. This is at the end of a five on three. JT Miller puts it in front. Watch how it goes in off Alex Chase on skate. Not his left skate. See his right skate right there? And finds its way in. So that makes it 3-1. Now it's 3-2. And another weird goal. Where's the puck? It's sitting on the line. And JT Miller jams it in. Carter Hart and the Flyers just lost track of it. It's right there. Right there. But the Canucks have allowed two goals in the last few minutes, and it's now 4-4 and they're going to overtime again. All right. Canada's men's soccer team has looked good everywhere they have played in this World Cup qualifying quest, but next month they'll play two games on the frozen tundra of Edmonton's Commonwealth Stadium against Costa Rica and Mexico. Those countries, of course, won't be used to that kind of weather, but it could also freeze out the speed of Canada as well.
4: Look out, that ball staying in, and Davies is on it. Davies has it. Alfonso Davies keeps it himself
11: Goal! It's a goal Canadian soccer fans will never tire of watching and Alfonso Davies will try to duplicate that magic in Canada's next game four weeks from now in Edmonton It'll be a homecoming for Davies who grew up in Edmonton and now he'll play his first game for Canada in Commonwealth Stadium November 12th against Costa Rica For him to be able to celebrate being on the field with a lot of the people that helped him get there i
14: think that's that's a big driver for him he's passionate about
11: the place he grew up um Uh, And I know he'll use that. We don't expect Davies will be shirtless after the game in Edmonton. The average temperature in the Alberta capital for mid-November is right around zero. But just last year, it was minus 11. It could be downright freezing, which is exactly the way Canada wants to welcome Costa Rica and Mexico with a cold shoulder. I played. In Edmonton in in October November with the women's team,
14: and again I still remember the first training session when you you know the players are feeling like their lungs have just been frozen. It's um, it's an interesting um, experience playing in in that that level of cold. This isn't British
11: cold. It's not Spanish or Italian cold. This is. Edmonton called. And hoping to be a part of the deep freeze is Lucas Cavallini. He didn't play in this last window because of injury. But Herdman feels Cavallini would be a perfect addition in Edmonton.
14: He's a warrior. Like, he is an absolute warrior, that guy. Like, hard as nails. He's got a bulletproof mind. And uh, he just wants to, to to get on there and, and impose himself on the field.
13: First half break.
14: The BC Lions have a home game tomorrow night against Calgary.
13: It'll be a four o'clock start. It'll be on AM 7:30, and the pregame will begin at three. The uh, Lions are three-point favorites on some sports books, but playing at home has not been that great for the Lions this year. They're only one in three.
10: You know, we don't feel like we've gone out and played our best football the last two games, and, and as I've been telling you every single week, is I want to see us improve each week. You know, and so um, there's a lot of stuff that we were deficient in for for the last two home games um, that we'd like to correct that we've. We feel like we've taken the right measures here to do, um, you know, but we don't actually get to prove that until we step on the game field, so we're looking forward to it.
13: The Seahawks have put two of their best players on injured reserve. Russell Wilson with a bad finger and running back Chris Carson with neck issues. Both won't be back for at least three games, and that counts this Sunday's matchup against Pittsburgh. As for replacement quarterback Geno Smith, he still has star receivers Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to work with, and he feels he has a good connection,
12: especially with DK. I've always talked to DK about his route running and ways for him to improve, and he does a great job at uh, allowing me to you know, be that voice of reason. And so uh, now I get more reps with those guys on the field. We get to practice more together. But overall, it's just communication.
2: There you go. Thank you very much, Squire.
0: Satellite Debris is next. Stick around. Our producer said, satellite debris tonight will make you laugh, or it made him laugh until he cried.
2: Yeah. Really? Tim, Tim Perry. Wow. But that one's coming up, I think. we got a little bit to get to before <laughs> the wheels really fall off.
13: I don't know how he <laughs> saw it yet, but okay. Um, all right, so the first two, uh, one from King's Hawaiian Buns. I've never seen those. Or Anchor Butter, which I've also never seen. <laughs>
3: Nice. This stuff disappears in our house.
11: Check this out. Whoa. Okay.
3: Check this
13: out. There's always King's Hawaiian rolls inside. Whoa.
9: Irresistible King's Hawaiian foods. Coming this spring, barbecue
12: sauce.
13: You. Cows know how to party. Is that, the bla- <laughs> is that a Black Crows tune? It was an old. Yeah, it was, I guess. Yeah. I oh, I'll get back to you on that one. Sure. Uh, okay, so uh, one from Japan and uh, one from IKEA. Oh, <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs>
11: <laughs> oh,
5: Oh,
4: Oh,
6: Be a maverick with fabric.
13: Mm
0: -hmm.
6: quite nice. Ikea, the wonderful everyday.
13: So that song was uh, Ghosts of War by Slayer, if you're wondering about that one. Okay, this is from a couple of years ago. White Bear Autos in Minnesota was doing a commercial with uh, the Minnesota Gophers hockey team mascot and their own mascot, and their own mascot had a very tough time on the ice, even though it's a polar bear.
0: (laughs) I wore the wrong
13: socks. Take four. I wore the wrong size.
9: Have you tried the hot dogs here?
6: <laughs>
5: He's like, ah. <laughs> Do you get to go home for the rest of the day after this? <laughs> He's not going to be much used to us, so I don't think. The... <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't get my deposit
11: back.
10: <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't get my deposit back.
5: And Wiper Mitsubishi is a proud sponsor of Golden Gopher for
3: hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Because
10: that's. Uh, nose is <laughs> Oh,
2: thank you. I hope that guy got. You might need some dental work. I don't know.
0: At least he had padding.
2: Yeah. All right. Thanks for watching. We'll end on that note. Have a great weekend, everybody.
0: Stay dry.